I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and I'm no longer verified on Twitter. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I pay for that eight quid. And I am director of Fifth Element, or Highlight Fifth Element here for this knowledge, and we're about to get reactionary on Digging Digits. get into it we're going to talk about this um I, I was a bit i didn't think there'd be a full app in this but charlie was adamant he's like i want to talk about his jack harlow album he's like, i think he's back <laughs> he's back in his mixtape form and uh yeah. you know yeah. see how see what happens yeah yeah shout out to machine gun kelly with the white on white crime uh just randomly dropping a diss track yeah, out of nowhere i saw nobody the, asked for saw the headline <laughs> just, but i didn't i didn't listen to nobody it. asked for it but he delivered it anyway, and uh, yeah. Hi, Ben. How's your week, Ben? What did you do this week? This week, so I listened to IDK's new album, F65, and he's he's just showing his versatility, man. Like this is this is IDK. He's uh, I think he's one of the most experimental artists in the mainstream conversation. Um, I just think he's all over the place. It's just very very versatile he's singing on this project is top top tier i think it's incredible i was actually uh, i posted something on instagram um it was a little bit inflammatory i said uh you you just found out that god isn't real uh what 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 album are you going to and i said you know idk's 2019 album and i went into the pitchfork review because i was curious as to what people thought of it when it dropped and uh, people were saying even back then, you know, four years ago, that his singing is great and, and it really is good on this project. He dips into numerous genres and subgenres. He pulls them all off beautifully. Uh, it's, it's, it's great, man. Like, it's honestly great. His reference game is on point. It's on point. There's a Juvie reference. There's a couple of Hove references. Uh, there's a lot of 90s rap references. And he just sits comfortably on trap bangers. He sits comfortably on everything, dance tracks, electronic tracks. And we know this about IDK. He's one of the most experimental artists. He's always doing that. Did he, did he drop something with Kei Trinata recently as well? And that was incredible. Like, he's just all over it. So I fully recommend this, IDK. Um, it's a good project. Onyx dropped Blood on the X. And it was interesting. I expected something a little bit more aggressive and venomous, especially after seeing them live last year which is one of the greatest live shows I've ever seen. It was absolutely insane. It was super hype. It's not It's not bad at all, but it kind of feels like a compilation of sounds that they tried throughout their career and didn't really inhabit as their career progressed. But content-wise, it is right up their alley. It's typically grim. Uh, we get you know track titles like Murder Rap, Crack Ruined Everything, uh, Sign With The Devil, Open The Register. Onyx, I always feel, excelled lyrically and conceptually, and I don't think they ever got the credit they deserved for that. Um, and I think that that's why their debut album is such a classic, because it brought this whole feel, this whole vibe, this whole concept. And, you know, it was something 3-6 Mafia were doing a couple of years later, but Onyx were doing it, you know, earlier than that. And this is a great project, man. It really is. Uh, it's, it's not 1993 anymore, so it's, it's not going to be what you expect. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's solid. Conway, Conway the Machine, won't he do it? I'm not a major Conway fan. You know, this is my thing. I'm not a huge Conway fan, but I think this is a welcome return to Griselda form. I've felt that their output, output as a label 
has been far less consistent since the start of 2022. You know, God Don't Make Mistakes was solid. Tanner Talk 4 was solid. Kiss the Ring by Rome Streets was solid. The Liz 2 by Marnie Caesar, that was pretty mid. Now, Westside Gun, I think, personally, has been carrying H10 in October. Was I thought it was an album of the year contender. But Conway brought it right back into the Griselda wheelhouse. We even have some cascading keys on here, which was so welcome. I'm like, oh, man, is this 2018 again? Like, it was incredible. And, you know, alongside uh, Benny the Butcher pops up, Westside Gun pops up. Get Fabulous on here, which is refreshing. Always love to hear from Fab. 7X the Genius absolutely skated on her verse, skated. And then the Juicy J and the Source Walker track at the end, I think that's my favorite on here. I, I, I wanted them, I, when I saw that, when I saw Juicy J on there, I was like, are they gonna do it? Are they gonna do it? And they fucking did it, man. This that 3-6 Mafia Memphis sound. They just went straight there. And Conway is just, like his flows on this tape, I think he's really attempting to show us that he's more than what you think he is. Like he is capable of pretty much anything as an MC. And uh, he switches up into double time. He switches his flow constantly. It's great. And uh, yeah, man, I, I think it was good. I think he's in fine lyrical form. He definitely foregoes some of the more emotional content from some of his very recent work, especially on features, which I'm a huge fan of. I really am. But he just spits bars on here, man. Punchlines and storytellings. And uh, it, it's similar to Benny. Like, you know, he's delivering stories in a way that only he can. It's very unique. And it's a very solid tape. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm going back to it multiple times. Black Shadori dropped off top three, uh, which is kind of all over the place, and I like it. I'm here for it. There's a bit of singing on here. There's a bit of melodic work. You know, I, I think if you really want to listen to some dense lyrical stuff, uh, Black Shadori is going to be that. And as well, just some inane off-the-top bars where he's just, you know, a bit of word associations, punchlines. It's, it's good, man. It's, it's really good. Uh, it, it showcases his versatility. He doesn't have to stick to a concept because his last couple of projects have been very conceptual, very dense conceptually in that sense. Uh, difficult, not difficult, but certainly you do have to sit down and think and listen. You can't just switch it off. You know, it's just not going to work like that. You've got to really dive into the lyrical content. So it's nice to hear him like this where you can just put it on, dip in and out. It's great. Uh, bus Driver dropped Made in Love. Massive fan of Bus Driver, man. I was surprised that no one picked up on this, this project dropping. Uh, but this is brilliant. This is so brilliant. I haven't heard from him in a few years. And it's quick. It's fast rap. The thing about it is, this is not rapidy rap. This is not rapidy, rapidy, rapidy rap. This is fast rap done very, very well. There's some brilliant jazz instrumentals on here. It's it's kind of all over the place. Very alternative in that sense. And uh, I will need multiple listens to actually dive into the lyrical content because it's kind of all over the place and it's difficult to pick up on the lyrics sometimes because not because it's so fast but because everything is just hitting you in the face over and over again but it's, it's actually when i put it on i wanted to chill last night i wanted to relax and i was had a quite an anxious day yesterday i was a little bit anxious about listening to it because i'm like this is definitely going to spike my anxiety but it did not it did not it was it was a calm listen even though bus driver is such a enigmatic presence on the mic so shout out bus driver Burner dropped, Arrogance is Ignorance, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I toot and froed over this album. When I first put it on, I was like, man, this is so boring. Like, this is really, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I can get through this. And then about halfway through, something happened, and it was like, nothing changed. The, the album didn't change, the songs didn't change, the content didn't change. 
I just, I guess I got into the, the vibe of it and the groove and it actually was so good that I didn't want it to finish in the end. I'm not, I don't think Bernard's saying anything revolutionary on here. I mean, this is a man who's just made an insane amount of money. Like he is at the pinnacle of uh, mainstream wealth in hip hop right now. I think he's, he was in the top five on the Forbes list last year or this year or whatever, whenever it was. And so it's interesting to hear, well, I was curious as to what he had to say. I don't have a lot to say doesn't have heaps to say i'm not this is not like a deep dive into how he amassed his fortune it's just more about spending a lot of money and existing in the world and at first i thought yeah this, this is not it but i don't know it's, it's a vibe uh, i enjoyed it a lot so shout out burner and finally mc8 drops a massive project yeah. lessons too and i was really disappointed that i missed this uh someone replied to my tweet and said what you missed mc8 and i'm like oh man that's that's a fuck up so I listened to it and it's really freaking good. Of course it is. It's fucking MC8, bro. It's it's not going to be bad. Like, you know, it goes through all these different kind of emotions and different stages and there's some aggressive stuff and there's some chill stuff. There's some laid back West Coast stuff. You know, E40 pops up on here and I think getting E40 is brilliant for this project. And I think Dave East is on here. Like, at MC8 in the center, he has such a like intense vocal presence like it's so distinct it's so unique so every time he pops back up it doesn't really matter what the beat's doing and I, you know his lyrical content is always interesting even if it isn't the most like i don't know engaging or exciting it is a lot of the time but even when it's not because his vocals are so good because they're so unique it doesn't matter he carries a song so to be honest, the album passed quickly. I don't even know how long it is. It's, it's, it's massive, but it actually passed pretty quickly for me. And I was stoked, man. I'm, I'm going to go back to that one repeatedly. So shout out MC8. So yeah, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, going to tons uh, this week. Um, some good stuff uh, coming through. Um, started off with uh, Siegfried Kamadashi, The Mundane Surreal. Um, I've been kind of uh, up and down when it comes to listening to him. Um, I initially gained uh notice of him when i visited uh, to well visit <coughs> uh, saw the show of uh os mensa last year fred of 5e and uh siegfried komodashi was his um kind of like number two just you know next to him with the saxophone just vibing and i got into his music and it was very art rappy right um had this uh just consistent dingy nature to it just the whole thing just comes off as so dark so dim um so you know pessimistic in in just how it sounds right and uh you know you get more you get you get the same here right um it's, it's again very dingy um you listen to good grief and this is just this echoey saxophone it just uh it feels apocalyptic um but the more I get into it, it's only five tracks, but when you get into it, more into it, you get these um, really nice, um, nicely worded, just spoken word pieces. Uh, Thought Boy Summer's very funny, um, and just gets a bit witty, actually, just to combat the dingy nature of it. Um, I Am Still Getting G-Checked Outside the Barbers was very, <laughs> very interesting content-wise. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just some... Just some good stuff. I like the I like the balancing out. Um, it's 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 fine having the dark and dingy stuff, but um, to have that extra element of just uh, some you know slightly witty dark comedy kind of uh, uh, spoken word is um, all the more all the more better and just um, adds to the flavour. 
So yeah, shout out to that season project. Um, Deacon, friend of 5v Deacon, uh, what's the music ting saying? Um, so this is just a bunch of freestyles. Um, well, four freestyles technically, um, if you're judging by the title. Titles. Um, and yeah, man, I just love me some Deacon. Um, he kind of gives off like, uh, you know, kind of like gigs, but more nasally um, in terms of vocals. But past that, he's spitting bars just constantly. And uh, he's always dropping gems um lyrically and uh yeah production solids um yeah it's just uh, if, you, if you haven't listened to deacon before highly recommend you just jumping into this one um it's the g5 tracks not too long uh 14 minutes um it'd be a great primer for you guys um for his uh, uh more uh more older stuff um which has a mixture of a mixture of um soft but also hard stuff as well um cotton wolf being the hard stuff and uh uh, and the uh, Polaroid nudes being more of the softer stuff, um, but both of them, all of it, is just um, you know very much worth a listen. Uh, Jones, magic in my hand. Um, love me some Jones. Uh, one of my favourite singer songwriters, um, low key in the past decade. Um, I've always enjoyed her just coming through, dropping a project. And I'm just like, oh, pleasant surprise, right? It's always nice just seeing her name pop up because. Um, the way she, the way she sings and the way she, um, you know, and her subject matter is just, um, is very pleasant. It's very pleasant to listen to always. And, uh, more of the same here. Um, another five, another five track EP, uh, Dimensions, Dynamite, especially those are two hot, very good tracks. Uh, but for me, Razor Blades with, um, Aaron Taylor is just out freaking standing. Um, I adore that track is just so luscious uh so breezy uh yeah i just want to i'm going to spin that during the summer at some point and it's just going to hit so nice um so yeah man really 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 good track um but the project isn't on title for whatever reason so i have to listen to it on spotify because yeah why not you know you just yeah just you know just one of those things that title does now and again um they didn't <laughs> major tangent but they didn't update recently it just made me laugh which was um Ben, guess what? Not only can you import your picture from Facebook, which has previously been in there, you can now do it from Snapchat and TikTok. Oh, boy. Oh, thank you, t- thank you, Tidal. How thank am I going to choose? <laughs> thank you for that on time, timely update because um, the rest of the app's perfect and now you just need to, you know, just, just tweak the Yeah, just things, tweaking such now as at this point. Import, yeah, such as import your pi- uh, import profile pictures um yeah just uh just really small stuff like that is um, greatly greatly appreciated um anyway moving on uh, another friend of IV, J flames made in london um this might be my favorite project from mr j flames um i i i just adore this uh change in pace um he always i think always gives himself the challenge to do something different every project in recent years um and this one is so just a very summary, bump in the whip, um, great features, amethyst on patience, um, his brother ruins Ace on, on Made in London, and also the patience reprise, um, great addition, Thursday New Cross with Michael Sebastian. There's just a really there's just a lot of good stuff here, and the production is super solid. That's his um, main forte here. Um, it's a producer-led project, and um, yeah, man, I really, I really uh, appreciate 
um, the effort to just having a nice vibe about the whole album. Um, it's, I say album, it's 24 minutes. <laughs> uh, 24 minutes and 8 tracks. So, eh, skirting the, skirting the EP album grey area, as a lot of projects this year have been doing for me, personally. It's starting to piss me off, because I'm like, it always where am I going to put these in the end of year list? <laughs> oh, it's just a real question. Where am I going to put these in the end of, li- end of yeah. year list? Because if I'm going to list these all as EPs, in the way I list these things as EPs, I'm going to have a ton of EPs. That's all I'm saying, okay? That's, that's it. Like, I don't, but I don't want to... I don't want to not put something on any of my lists because if it's, you know, all these EPs, I'm deluging EPs and then I have to pick, you know, a certain amount and then some of them miss out. You know, I want to talk about these good projects and, you know, if, if they're albums, they're albums. If they're EPs, they're EPs. But just shit just says album, even though it's 15 minutes. Um, someone labelled the blue tape with Blue and Cassius King as an EP, and I was like, that's one track, and it's yeah, 13 was, minutes. That freaks me was, out. That annoys me, because tr- I want to put on my project <laughs> list, and I'm, I go into it, I'm like, right. but this is one song. Right. Like, I think I put right. on a project, but I don't know, bro. Right. one song. Exactly. Is on a so, it, thank you. Th- see, there you go. That, that's, the, that's the thing. It starts to piss you off, right? You yeah. see, see what I mean? <laughs> you fired me up. Man. Now, now do that, now do that, but several times in a week. Yeah. Several fucking times during the week, okay? <laughs> It pisses you off, and I will give a shout out to that track because it's actually really fucking good. It and I good. feel like a lot of people should listen to that. It's, yeah, like I said, it is thirteen minutes, but the track just keeps going and going and going, and the beat switches are tasty and creamy. Oh, and uh, Blue and Cassius King just float on a float from start to finish. Really good, uh, really good, solid, uh, ex- very experimental track. Continuing on, uh, Tavares Jordan in my own world. Another is it an EP? Question uh, mark tape. Little beat tape from him. Um, really enjoyed this one. Kind of got this um, 2000s R&B kind of thing going on. Sounds sounds like something that you know 19 year old Usher would be on. You know what I mean? Kind of got that kind of that smooth, smooth uh, uh, 2000s R&B kind of vibe. Remind so me I'm, of a girl. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, get there. You go. Put Ben on the track. There you go. Ben, ben, Bang. auditioning. <laughs> get, ben, get Ben on the remix. Uh, but yeah, uh, really solid. Uh, another uh, nice beat tape uh, to spin. Uh, Kid Abstract and Leo Lopez still dreaming. They snaked me. They snaked me. I talked. I talked about an e- in a quote unquote EP from from a couple of weeks ago featuring them. And as it turns out, it was just a feeder project um, to actually you know tee you up for the whole album. Um, and this is the whole album. And uh, it makes sense now because I listened to the whole album and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I really, really. Love me some kid abstract. I've always said that. And uh, yeah, this uh, this project just goes by like a dream, man. It's about thirty something minutes, um, but it's some nice chill hip hop. Um, he speaks Spanish in a particular track. I haven't got the track list up up for myself, but um, yeah, it's got some really good stuff on there. Uh, phonics with some scratches on one particular track. Um, but yeah, just um, kid abstract. Always dropping some, just always dropping some chill bars, and the beats are solid as well. Shouts to Leo Low Pass on that one. Uh, really good project. Uh, Reggie Beckton, uh, Sad Boy Volume One. I did see this on your th- on your thing, uh, Ben. But um, Mickey actually had to force me to. He listened to the Jones projects. So I felt you know obliged to give the Reggie Beckton this project uh, spin because he asked us to. But um, yeah, it's a really good listen. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, nice contemporary R and B. Um, good songwriting chops here. Um, it's the first time I spun him, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the potential um that he has um I've, <laughs> i say that as if like he if, if, if is he new i don't know but um, yeah i'm uh, not sure yeah, he's uh yeah yeah you know he's uh, let's have a look okay since 2018 right so you know um but yeah really good stuff um 
definitely worth a follow. And uh, yeah, going to see what happens in the future for him. Uh, super helpful Kwame with puzzles. Um, another... Is it an EP? Uh, well, it is an EP. It's six tracks. I'm going to call it an EP. Um, 19 minutes. And um, yeah, a little bit different here um, compared to his other stuff. Um, some of them have this... Uh, kind of has this... Uh, minimalistic production going on and has this echoey voice of his going through as well. Um, but the d- the deeper it goes, the better it gets for me. Um, uh, uh, Anti-Tam, Beatnik as well. Beatnik is a really good track, uh, probably the best out of the bunch. And uh, yeah, very, very, very intriguing. Uh, very intriguing listen indeed. And lastly, um, MC8, Gia, with Lessons 2. Uh <laughs> Does he say Jia or Blue Stamp? Uh, the most often, it's a close one because <laughs> he says both. He says both a lot, uh, which is respectable. And I will say this about MC8. Of, um, I'll I'll just um, echo everything Ben said because um, yeah, the the album is while it is eighty minutes, um, it doesn't feel laborious. Um, like I've said to you know majority of projects over seventy. Um, you know, Bodega Money with Davies, Life Lessons with E4 is probably one of the best tracks on here. Uh, Westside Guns with DJ Premier, love that track. Uh, Another Day, really good track as well. Um, uh, Realistic with Raskas, Sometimes, Deeper Without Words, good uh, three tracks stretch on that one. Um, yeah, but this is just some a lot of gems here. But um, I think the biggest thing I respect about MC8 um, in his, I guess, independent bag at this point, um, considering he says Blue Stamp so much, I'm assuming that's his label, Um is the fact that he gasses he, every outro of every song, he says who's on the boards and he says who's produced it. And I respect that heavily. He says it every time on the track and nobody else does that. Um, so big up MC8, um, big up the G army and uh, I'm, I'm a card carrying member of that, definitely. So uh, shout out to MC8. And with that said, let's hop in too. Our topic for this episode, which is a rather existential question that I wanted to come through with. Um, and before I ask it, I want to quote this article that um, for the first time in 5EP in history has been, is going to be mentioned in What's Good, Digging in Digits, and also in Search of Source. Um, this is the first article that's done so, and I just wanted to big that up because I literally just realized that um, once... We were recording on Sunday, and we also recorded uh, in search of source on the same day. And uh, B brought this one as well to the fore. And I talked about it was good, I think, a week or two ago. Um, so yeah, so this is the icon. Just about to read a paragraph from is uh, by Israel Daramola uh, via Defector, and it's called "How Did Hip Hop Media Get So Bad?" And I wanted I wanted to read this before we begin. Uh, before I ask the question um, bluntly to Ben, and uh, the quote is this. The main problem, to my mind, is one of artistic and cultural literacy. It would be a historical to say that rap music itself has never flirted with conser- conservative ideology. Despite its punk roots, it has always gloried in conservative ideas about women, masculinity, homosexuality, and wealth accumulation. In the past, these things fueled the more racialized fight between terrified white suburbanites and the political figures that pandered to them and the creators of a new, crass, black art form they didn't understand. The mainstream of hip-hop more or less ended that fight, and now in its place, there is something much more convoluted and potentially more damaging. 
Reactionaries who once, demon- once demonized rap music as an art form are now free to invite rappers and rap pundits to stand alongside them in defense of the rancid values that the two groups have always shared. Combine that with the average fan's inability to interpret a rap song or any media really in anything but the most literal way or to understand hip-hop culture is anything other mm. than a reality show about gangbangers and you have an audience that's primed to be led down a reactionary path. The path could include anything from degrading women for entertainment to amassing support for Donald Trump's re-election campaign. Despite these attempts to push against the grain of quote-unquote wokeness and quote-unquote cancel culture, they've just ended up right at the beginning, promoting Christian-based hegemony and Moynihan, uh, yeah, I said that right, Moynihan Report-style myths about blackness. So, I tee that up and ask the question, bluntly, to Ben, is hip-hop right-wing? which is going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> well, I mean, firstly, that, that paragraph kind of threw me in that article because the article went started in one direction, went in a completely different direction because the title of the article was How Did Hip Hop Media Get So Bad? And it was talking about, you know, DJ Academics going to Rumble, uh, Traplor Ross, who we spoke about last, last week or the week before, um, you know, Vlad TV, uh, and, you know, it talked about Adam 22 as well and Nori thinking about getting, you know, Andrew Tate on his podcast. So when I read the article, when I first read it, uh, I thought it was brilliant. I really did. I was reading through it. I'm like, this is amazing. But then it started to like draw this line between hip hop media and hip hop. And I thought that that was a little bit, yeah, it was a bit tenuous. I, I wasn't 100% sure where they were coming from with that. But anyway, I will talk about this because I think it's very interesting. Um, I think it's interesting because Charlie and I had a, a pretty vibrant discussion about it. And we left thinking, oh, yeah, you know, hip-hop does kind of spout out a lot of right-wing values and right-wing characteristics. So what I did was I looked through and, you know, went through. And, again, we're, we're kind of dumbing this discussion down. I was actually talking to someone in DMs on Instagram a couple of days ago. I posted up a picture of Blueprint 2 by Jay-Z and I said, is this a classic? Is it 10 out of 10? Is it 12 out of 10? Blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, I love that album. And this person replied to me and said, uh, I don't like Jay-Z because he's a libertarian. And I said, well, you know, I'm percent sure. I mean, he is kind of maybe now, but, you know, back in the day, I don't, I don't think he was. And I said, you know, especially around 08 to 2016, he was a massive advocate for Obama and he was a huge... You know, I'm not going to say he was the reason Obama get, got elected. I'm not going to go anywhere near that. I'm saying he was... Yeah, because Will I Am did that. Bit. Will I Am right. did that. You can't take Will that I away am. from Will I Am. I got a feeling. I mean, that was the... Without that song, who knows where America would be right now. But, um, no, look, I, and I said, I said, well, you know, Jay-Z was a massive fan of Obama. Obama's not a libertarian. This person replied, well, he's, Obama's a neoliberal. And so I went down that that rabbit hole and, and started researching. And so I recognize that we're dumbing this discussion down significantly to jump it down to right wing, center, and left wing. In Australia, that's the way that we talk about it. But in America, they have all these different terms for all these different types of politicians, which is quite ironic because you only have two parties. Like in Australia, we've got plenty of parties that get elected. You know, we've got three major parties in this country. But in America, it's the Democrats or the Republicans. You're not going anywhere else. So. I have dumbed it down in that sense. If you're listening to this and you're from America, I understand that you have a much more nuanced or complex or, you know, whatever discussion around politics and you have all these different terms that we don't use in the rest of the world. So I apologize if it seems like we're, you know, just scratching the surface here. But 
I want to have a look at right wing characteristics first and then talk to Charlie about whether he feels like, you know, this is something that hip hop has always been or it's progressed to or, you know, whatever. So we'll talk about it. Liberal democracy, democratic elections, separation of power and government, rule of law, market economy with private property, equal protection of human rights, uh, civil rights, civil liberties and political freedoms for all people. Uh, look. I don't think you could argue that the last part about equal protection for all people, I don't think that's a, that's a right-wing value. I think that the idea of right-wing politics has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. And I think that that is going to influence our discussion significantly because if we're talking about, you know, maybe 90s right-wing politics, I don't think it aligned with hip-hop then, but it might have aligned more with hip-hop now, but that's not where the right-wing is right now. And I'm not talking about alt-right, I'm not talking about far-right. Those are different, that's a completely different, you know, like thing that's a dis- different distinction to make um but you know look let's look at it. a market economy with private property it's a well-held hip-hop value um but again you have to ask if that's an ideological and maybe we'll just talk about this as as we go and charlie can respond you have to ask if that's an ideological value or that's one that's come out of necessity I mean, you know, hip hop was born in America. America is a capitalist country. It is a market economy over there. Just because you're trying to succeed in a market economy does not mean that you're ideologically tied to that. It doesn't mean that you, you know, you think it's just, it's a way of life. Like, what do you think about that, Charlie? Uh, In that last like 10 seconds of you talking, my mind immediately went to Killer Mike because. He's a very interesting case study, I think, into attempting to ask this question. Now, yes, the question itself is super blunt and with zero nuance at all. But obviously, that's why we're talking to, you know, drill down to some of it. <laughs> not, we're not going to get to all of it in the space of 45 minutes to an hour. But hopefully, you know, hopefully we've made some some inroads by the end of this. Um, But I was thinking about him particularly in those last 10 seconds of you talking simply because I have always had this kind of just mm, just just something something about him just grinds me. And is it literally just the point? Is it literally just because he's into guns? No, I don't think it is. Um, And that's obviously just a hallmark of, you know, America, right? Uh, There's there's people on the left that you know, value guns in some fashion or they just enjoy shooting them, right? You know what I mean? It's just one of those things that I just like doing this as a recreational activity, Um, not even getting to the, you know, the argument of should everyone have one in their own home or, you know, should teachers have them, et cetera, et cetera. None of that. But just if you, you know, if do you like guns, right? Um, So, yeah, I was trying to think, I I was thinking about him all of a sudden, and you know he's clearly not quote unquote right wing right he's he's not um he but but he values a ton in the black dollar so to speak i mean his whole uh tv series uh trigger uh trigger warning with killer mike on netflix um a few years ago was very adamant um to the concept of the black dollar and you know, and and how that ecosystem can potentially work, but obviously the powers that be in America don't exactly allow that to happen. Um, you know, for further reading, go look up. You know, Black Wall Street uh, back in the twenties and things like that. The power of the black dollar. Um, 
just funny enough, somewhere uh, here in the UK, we've had um, a, you know kind of like a a grassroots movement called uh, Black Pound Day, um, where we basically uh, black businesses kind of um, uh, participate in it. And on that day, you know, you go to a certain spot. They have like pop up shops in places and stuff. I think they have a permanent spot somewhere now. Um, and you know, it's just all black business and you go in there and you're investing in black business and you're investing in the black pound quote unquote and and obviously just the black british and black diaspora ecosystem business wise not just culturally so when i was thinking about that and then obviously get into something like you know jay-z um (laughs) i would have personally counted him as just a you know libertarian or anything um, I I just think he's you know just a good old hyper capitalist and you know uh, regardless of, and, and you know a thing that I always note when it comes to not just American politics but even British politics at the moment um, both of the top parties are basically right wing to me um, the conservatives are hella far right I mean yeah, we're literally recording here. this on literally recording this at the same time the coronation uh, party whatever you want to call it. Um, is going on and obviously during the coronation day um, there were people just getting arrested for holding up signs that's some authoritarian shit right there <laughs> so <that. laughs> the Tories are basically authoritarian at this point and Labour who's supposed to be inherently you know from the literally their fucking name Labour yeah, unions right all that stuff um they're basically right wing at this point. Um, Same. You know, they're basically. Just, I call them Tory light. That's why I say on my podcast, and I'll keep saying that until until you know prove them otherwise. And it's the same in America, where um, you have obviously Republicans, and they're just you know doing their shit. That's what that's been well documented. But you know, Democrats are basically you know just center right at best, and you know that is what it is. And there's no particularly um, large left presence. You know, pure left presence within America um, and within the UK for that matter. Um, so just wanted to lay that particular land out there. So when it beca- when it comes to hip-hop now, you know, um, I think it, it probably, it's probably worth even comparing US hip-hop to British hip-hop for me personally, just to try and, just to try and sp- split the hairs a little bit. Um, you know, I see, I, 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 if you look up, Let's just say, like the top fifty U.S. hip hop songs and their content, and I wonder what we get compared to something like the top fifty, what we class as UK hip hop tracks, right? And I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about you know K Trap. I'm not talking about you know Digger D. I'm not talking about. I'm not even talking about Stormzy. Even I'm talking about you know the likes of. Loyal Kana, Kofi Stone, Lil Sims, like, you know, British hip hop, mm. Ocean Wisdom, um, stuff like that. I'm not not that I'm saying any of those those people don't chart, obviously, most of the time, but you get what I mean, right? So um when you class those, and obviously that's a bit abstract in how I've just worded it, but it is what it is. What do you think the contents what do you think the content the, the content differences are going to be? Because I I guarantee you there will be less misogyny in the British hip hop space. There may be yeah, some. It's true. But that's going to be a hallmark. That's uh, true. Getting money, maybe. 
sure. Maybe I'll, I'll you know, if, uh, if I put some thought into it, probably there are some as well. Uh, what are the what are the hallmarks of right right wingisms, homosexuality, and just um, well, homophobia? Let's just say that. Um, don't really hear much of that in British hip hop. Uh, we hear it in US hip hop quite quite a lot, quite often. It's not um, as common now, yeah. though. Yeah. In yeah, in sure. US hip hop, uh, I mean, I would yeah, yeah. I would argue that even you know the two thousands, it was it was still very common in US hip hop, but. I don't think yep. it was that common in British hip hop in the 2000s, and obviously right. the 90s was a little bit too scattered for us to say that there is a gen- general UK hip hop sound, you know, because it yeah. was sure. not as mainstream. So yeah, it's 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 all it's all labelling at this point. It's all labelling, right? You know, what I mean, I I use the UK hip hop, UK rap, and then and then grime, and then drill as the four categories of you know that entire sphere of uh you know just black people do music. <laughs> past mm-hmm. obviously you know the likes of jazz r&b and so on etc uh, which obviously are on their own fields um you know that's what i use but sure you know what i mean so uh yeah i don't know if i i don't know where i just went kind of several places there but uh yeah feel free to dig in on what you feel no i agree and i think that the differences between uk and us hip-hop they're not ideological they're not like and that's, that's going to be an argument that I'm going to make at the end here is we're going to differentiate between, you know, an ideological adherence to a specific political place on a spectrum and just talking about your own experience and how it, you know, manifests in right wing, left wing, whatever, whatever, whatever country you're in. I mean, if we look at more right wing values, we talk about capitalism. Of course, you know, hip hop is again, but again, we can't necessarily say. And and one of the points you made was about hyper capitalism and about Jay Z and about people, you know, materialism, commercialism. And and you know, one of the points I made to this person in in DMs when they said, you know, Obama is a neoliberal, and I said, neoliberal. If you look it up, it's very, it's a catch all term. It the the values at this that point it is yeah it is it <laughs> is i mean look at look at look at the original the ogs of neoliberalism is margaret right, thatcher yeah. and ronald reagan reagan and thatcher yeah you you can't say obama and reagan are the same you just can't but they both have very very similar like ideas around the market economy and around those kind of policies and values and i said to them you can't get elected president in the U.S. unless you have a bunch of neoliberal policies. It's just the way that the U.S. has developed. They set themselves up after World War II to just eradicate socialism and communism. You know, there was that's whole... That's the same here, Geese. It's the same yeah. here. Yeah. Since Thatcher... It's the same here. The, Tories, well. uh, the, the Labour hasn't won without adhering to neoliberal policies or just anything Thatcher did. I, you know, Tony Blair in the 2000s, Gordon Brown in the 2000s, and we just had the local elections here in England where the Tories lost nearly a thousand fucking seats, which is great to me, smoking on that Tory pack, of course, all day, every day. But when it comes to the general election, which will happen next year, if even if Labour win, we're still just going to be steeped in just neoliberalist policies. And that just doesn't that doesn't help anyone because they're just keep, keeping up the status quo. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, that's exactly what's happening in Australia right now. Uh, our exactly. Labour Party got elected and our right-wing Conservative Party, Liberal Party, is getting trounced all around the country. They're getting kicked out of every state government that's having elections right. in the last couple of years. 
But yeah. the Labour government has taken over. You know, they've changed things a little bit, but not heaps. I mean, there's still tax concessions yeah, for the, the top. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, uh, companies are just getting allowed to do whatever they want. Like it's it's not changing. We just spent like three hundred eighty billion dollars on submarines, like nuclear submarines, for a war. <laughs> And they're not going to be delivered for like 30 years. Like, it's just <laughs> stupid. You know, it's just so stupid. So if we look at it, if sure. we go back to it and drill down on, you know, one of the big things, one of the big distinctions I want to make here is the right wing are very against welfare. They are, up, right. they, they want a limited welfare state. That's the whole point. You know, that's a right. massive part of it. That does right. not adhere to hip-hop at all. That's not a hip-hop value. I personally don't think it is. Having listened to hip-hop from the 80s not, onwards... Not anymore. It maybe was in the 70s and 80s. No. But a limited welfare anymore. state. Bro, they talked about welfare all the time. Government cheese. I've heard that term a million freaking times. I mean, that's the thing. And that's yeah, cool. But that's, that's, in term, that's in terms of, you know, need, you know needing, needing help. Right. Yeah. Sure. But I mean that so, the the yeah. right wing would argue that just work harder. You don't oh, need right. help. Yeah. Yeah. No and one needs and help. That's, and that's a that's a hip hop thing now, isn't it? Bootstraps and all that, basically. It's like I had to yeah. grind, I had to grind to this, I had to grind for that. And you know, I get it, right? I, I and this is, you know, a big uh thing concept just about uh uh you know, just you know, sigma male grind set and the you know all those all those things that have come through and you know stuff like the manosphere and uh, all that stuff from recent years. Everybody just like you know, dudes listening to Gary V and just about in, about investing in stuff and all that kind of stuff, right? And you know, I get those vibes. Um, even even while we're just talking about, it, I just keep thinking of Rick Ross. He just his name just keeps coming into my fucking head. Um, just popping in for whenever a certain thing is said, I'm just like, oh, that's Rick Ross. Oh, yeah, that's Rick Ross. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's plenty of artists that kind of give off that as well. Um, and you know, it's it's a difference between motivation, which, albeit, you know, fine, good. So I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> gym music, all of that stuff, right? You know what I mean? And uh, you know, if you're going for a 5k run, you want to put on some motivational shit that will help you get through it, right? <clears throat> and help you break through. I get it, but um, you know, in, ter- in terms of what you were saying, when it comes to stuff like, I mean, when you when you mentioned welfare state, I was I was more thinking my mind went went more towards uh, community aspects of hip hop, right? And I was thinking about the um, what was the name of the track with um Miss Melody and them uh, when we did her episodes? Oh um, yeah, they did. They did like a community community track. And, oh, I can't believe uh, I'm blanking on it. Yeah, I know it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna piss me off now. <laughs> but, you know that shit that that shit ain't nobody's doing that now. There's no community the, the community based aspects, which I feel is more of a you know obviously community aspects. It happens in all forms of uh, political leanings. Um, but I guess in the in the ways that you know Black Panthers, for example, right? To get to another to to lean to another completely uh, outside of music uh, uh, talking point, Black Panthers was a inherently a community building thing. Free meals for school kids, education, reading, do the reading, all that stuff. Which actually gets to another point I want to get to that the article was talking about in terms of media literacy. Um, but 
yeah, you know, that was a left-wing kind of concept. And, you know, coming out of the Black Hearts movement, which happened in the 70s, and then hip-hop and hip-hop came about, there was that community aspect. You know, the whole story of Miss Melody had that community aspect when we did her episode, that, you know, of her helping Big Daddy Kane and um, helping Keras one that community aspect. Yeah. And everybody hooking each other up. Now... There's a community aspect, but there needs to be a money incentive in it. And I feel like that's a key thing that hip-hop has lost in this swaying of political leaning. And this, again, broad political leaning that we're applying to this. I feel like that hip-hop has lost some of the more left concepts than and embracing a lot of more of the right-wing concepts, in my mind. That's my overall argument, I guess. The overall argument, I state, 44 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Look, I, I think this is just how I feel subjectively, not part of hip-hop culture yep. from <clears throat> different country. When right. I hear Rick Ross rapping about luxury and et cetera, et cetera, I'm hearing yeah. him celebrating his success in a yeah. system that was designed for him to fail. When I oh. hear Jay-Z, you know, I've just pulled up lyrics to Nickels and Dimes from Magna Carta, yeah. Holy Grail. If you yeah. go listen, if people go listen right. to that song, he's talking about, like, for example, he talks about charity a lot on Magna Carta, Holy Grail, and beyond, especially on some on guest verses. You know, he talks about, you know, he says it here, the, the purest form of giving is anonymous to anonymous. anonymous. We're going to make it there. I promise this. You know, he says, sometimes I feel survivor's guilt. I gave some money to this guy. He got high as hell. Like, he talks about, and, and whilst I don't really connect with the things that Jay-Z says about money, you know, post 2010, because I feel like he really is in that whole capitalist like thing, because more so the actions that he's taken than his lyrical content, more so the things he's done business wise than his actual lyrical content. But when I listen to Jay-Z, you know, celebrating commercialism and materialism and, and capitalism, I hear him saying, you stacked the deck against me crazy. I had no cards to play. And I still fucking won, bro. I still won. And I see that it's a similar thing with, you know, bootstraps and grind and wake up and work. You know, that's the way to succeed in America. And in the 80s and early 90s, you, you know, hip-hop was trying to change the entire culture and, and trying to set itself up completely separate from the mainstream and separate from the mainstream political process in America. But, you know, and, and we go back to Killer Mike. You know, Killer Mike talked about, he did this huge speech. Um, I think it was after uh, George Floyd. And it might have been after, I, I can't remember. And I, I'm not going to go too deep into it because I haven't researched it. I haven't watched it since he did it. But he was talking about the way to succeed is, and we, we discussed this on the George Floyd episode, which was one of our best episodes. He was talking about, and again, if it wasn't Killer Mike, it was another hip-hop artist, but I'm pretty sure it was. He was talking about voting in local elections and you know, uh, changing America that way, changing America by playing by its rules and then changing the rules once you get to a position of power. And that's what Jay-Z talks about as well in his lyrical content. He talks about, I couldn't, we can't destroy it because it's too powerful, it's too strong. You have to integrate within it and then change it from within. Now, you could argue whether that's been successful or not, and you could argue that till your face turns blue. I, I don't think that's an indictment on hip-hop. I don't think that's that means hip-hop's lost its venom or it's lost its 
you know, uh, political leaning. I just think it's fucking America, bro. It, it's the way it is. It's oppression, you know, capitalism, the right wing, market economy. These are things that have, they're, they're just inherently American, the American dream. They, they, you can't change those things by presenting a different viewpoint and saying you have to care about people that aren't you. Like white America is not going to give a shit about that because they're they're powerful, they're strong. You know, they've got money, they've got everything, they've got privilege. They are in a position of power. And I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense, but I don't see commercialism and capitalism and hip hop as being a complete abandonment of the 80s and early 90s. I don't see that at all. I don't see that as hip hop just giving up and being like, oh well, fuck it. You know, I see it as we're succeeding in a system that designed for us to fail and we're celebrating that success and I, I like that. I don't I never when I listen to hip hop and, and hear people talking about how much money they have, I don't sit there and think, oh no, you you know, you gave up. I don't feel I I've never felt that way. No, you, you you're right. You're right in a lot of ways. Um, I, I, f- I probably should have prefaced this whole thing by you know saying that, um, and I said this in my uh, hip hop fifty essay is that art reflects society, and you know hip hop is just inherently was her- inherently I guess doomed in some ways to fall to capitalism and fall to all the hallmarks of what America is because you know. Art is a powerful thing, but it, <laughs> at the end of the day, like I said, it reflects society. And it and watching you know the US uh, go the way it's been going, it just it it just is what it is, right? And it can't uh, a whole uh, a whole subset of a particular art form or a particular culture, quote unquote, um, can't battle against that. Um, and you know, continue continuously being united, but yeah, but yeah, you're not you're not wrong on any of that. Um, you know, it's I I get why, you know, the likes of and I I probably go on the Jay Z route, which we've talked about it before. When we you know did a whole retrospective on him, I think it was like three parts. Um, you know, I I would make the argument that he's been like what he is now since day one but now it's just obviously he ha- actually can do it now right and um, a lot of the time it comes down towards uh you know uh maybe maybe uh quite unquote lose this battle but eventually win the war right and that and that's maybe his mindset towards anything uh, uh, how he's gone about music and business in his whole life um maybe who knows i'm not gonna try and put words in his mouth um but you know at the flip side uh i think about um an african proverb where uh let's say um if you want to go uh if you want to get there fast uh go alone if you want to get if you want to go far go together um paraphrasing hopefully that's all of the quote but um I I I hear that, and then you know I hear what you were talking about when it came when it comes to Ross and when it comes to Jay Z and again those are those are um, fine ways to interpret their music and that's obviously what art's supposed to do right you're supposed to gain interpretations of it 
and nobody's you're not gonna, not always going to have the exact same interpretation as the next person. I interpret Jay Z different than you interpret Jay Z, and that's fine because we're both right in some ways. Um, but then I think about someone like Diddy, and I I just I just I just I just I just, I just yeah, you know, again, you can make that interpretation that his all of his decisions, business-wise and in life and music, um, has been one of beating the odds and et cetera, et cetera, and having that overt self-confidence in oneself. And, you know, that's always admirable in a lot of ways. And I wish I had that kind of self-confidence, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, people around him die with without a penny in their fucking pocket and he just continues living on um, being a sugar daddy to Carisha. So it is what it is. It is what it is. But then getting back to, I guess, the whole, uh, uh, to, the whole to the whole argument, uh, which I had a point and now I've completely lost it trying to get that freaking Diddy point out there because, I don't know, I had to had to try and be funny one time. Well, had to, had to one thing, no, because you make a good point, and you know, I'm not putting Diddy in the same category as Jay Z, but I do want to but make you a can disti- though. That's what I'm saying. Well, I want to make a distinction because what you said is 100 percent true. You know, I I personally feel, and I could be wrong in this, and people might disagree. Well, I'm I, I don't think I'm wrong because I feel this way, but you know, people might disagree. <laughs> I think capitalism is built on exploitation. You know, it's built on the exploitation oh. of you know the masses the people who are not in the high income earners you the high income earners need the low income earners to do the work for them you know it's built on exploitation and so if we look at someone like diddy versus jay-z i don't personally feel jay-z has exploited people anywhere near the level that diddy has i think diddy is an adherent to capitalism i think he and again we did a whole episode on diddy and we went through literally freaking everyone and we talked about all the things he's done all the things he said all the things they've said and the conclusion from that episode, it's the only conclusion we could really draw, is that Diddy has exploited his artists over the years. It's just, there's no other ex, there's no other explanation for that. And if we talk about Jay-Z, I don't think we can, if we went through everyone, I don't think maybe it'd be 50-50. Diddy was not anywhere near 50-50, was he? Like it was 80-20, something crazy like that. Maybe, and again, I haven't done this with Jay-Z, so... I guess I could do it subjectively and look at, you know, Rockefeller and, you know, people will just go straight to Emil, for example, or they'll go straight to Beanie Siegel, for example, or they'll go straight to Damon Dash, for example. But then we're not talking about, you know, Memphis Bleak or we're not talking about Kanye West or we're not talking about all these other artists that Jay-Z has not. I don't think he's exploited. I think he's given opportunities to. And you talk to them now they're not all got a you rarely hear people being like oh jay-z what a horrible person he completely ruined my career you know you hear that with diddy but you don't really hear that with jay-z and you could argue i guess that people are scared to say that but why wouldn't they be scared to say that about diddy as well of course they they're you know they're both scary people i'm not going to criticize both of them consistently because i'm a very paranoid person i I see them on the same level they're both scary so if people aren't criticizing jay-z but they're criticizing diddy i see that as a a clear distinction where diddy is an adherent to capitalism which is built off exploitation jay-z is not an adherent to capitalism because i don't think he exploits people does that do you agree with that or am i off base um well i i can't uh confirm obviously Jay's side of that and we have done that particular did the episodes and uh, that was very 
<laughs> very enjoyable to do so in some ways. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you're probably. Uh, I mean, there are people for for Jay Z. I mean, like I've I literally bought a Jazzo album the other day, so I, I'm you know I'm not <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know what I mean? Like, Biggie, so there's, if that's your levels. Est- if that's your estimate, then yeah. you know, fair play. I'll give it to you. Um, but you know, when it comes to exploitation, which is um, a kind of hallmark of capitalism, but maybe not uh, right wing. I don't know. You can make that argument. Um, you know, we literally just came off the back of in the past couple of days of talking about Timberland and his bullshit about uh, Jack and Biggie's vocals because he really wanted to work with Biggie. I'm just like, well, tough shit. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It didn't work out. <laughs> tough shit. You know, yeah, tough, that's tough that's piss. that's a small thing. Like people lost one of the most important people in their lives, and you're worried about the fact you didn't get to work with him yeah, in your lifetime. Yeah, like yeah. perspective, please. Dry Timberland. your eyes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference, then. <laughs> you know I'm saying, like, fucking hell, like, get, get get this man a fucking tissue. Um, but you know, that's that's kind of you know we we've obviously we've talked about. Um, we talked about AI last week, and uh, that's another um, method of exploitation. But I don't want to get too deep in the weeds and try and get back to the right wing elements of this. Um, well, another thing I wanted to kind of get to, um, linking back to the article uh, I mentioned, uh, is the question of uh, artistic and cultural literacy, and the fact that. Yes, hip hop's had very is deeply rooted in, you know, uh, as I said in the article, you know, punk roots, right? Which is, um, which, funny enough, I was thinking about um, when it came when it comes to just now in Britain, considering of all the stuff about the coronation this weekend, um, and how there are just you know, nobody's making nobody's making Sex Pistols type music right now. Nobody's well, I, I yard actor. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are. Like you know, yard act. I think Idols does Sleep as well. Right? There's plenty of act. There's plenty of actors. I'm not saying it's de- we're completely devoid of it, but then, but you know, it's not. It's not yeah, Sex Pistols. You know, levels of popularity. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, and there's not whole movements towards it. Um, I yeah. saw um, I saw Young Soul Rebels, um, which is a film that dropped in the '80s, uh, directed by Isaac Julian. Uh, highly recommend anyone to watch it. Because um, it's a really interesting time capsule of uh, Britain in the seventies, in the late seventies. Um, it happened. It, they, you know, it was based uh, around the time of the, uh, I want to say, Silver Jubilee of the Queen. Um, and there was straight dudes. It was gay dudes, and there was like punk dudes, and there was what they call soul, uh, uh, soul boys, and uh, obviously skinheads and mods and all that stuff. Right. That that was those are all you know, whole ass people in, in, in the seventies in the UK, right? And it's and it was fascinating looking at it. Um and how these people, you know, kind of like kind of beefed each other, but, you know, the skinheads weren't exactly like, you know, full on Nazis, but they were fucking with the black guys and the, but they lived in the same estate anyway. So that, you know, they weren't like fighting each other, but they were just like, you know, chatting shit uh to each other. And it was very interesting of how, of that just social um that social that social landmark and obviously there's plenty of factors that go into 
the homogenization of just you know society and every every walk of life these days um some some be it you know politically forced some be it culturally forced you know with the likes of the internet and stuff like that which i feel like is something that i personally try to just uh uh try so desperately to be different sometimes i feel cuz cuz i've just seen everybody you know watch similar things and yeah. listen to similar things i'm just like there's so much more outside of all this guys like you, you like just, just just look at just look out a little bit just just look at look out the horizon just a little bit and you might actually find something that might change your life um but again artistic and cultural literacy is something that i don't think has uh while i don't think there's any um limit towards uh it being a right wing thing it's just a human thing and an evolutionary thing that's just happened of people not of people listening to this to hip hop now and actually not having the keys and not having the ability to 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 look at it with nuance so they look at um you know to the, so they look at drill music and then they go see a Trap or Ross video. <laughs> and it's so funny because the thing that their elders, who are just, let's just say for, you know, again, making things blunt, um, are just a typical gun owner. They own 20 guns for no fucking reason. Um, apart from it just makes them feel nice, uh, however weird that is. And uh, you know they just like cleaning their guns, you know, just just like they just like stroking. Just buy shoes. Don't buy guns. Like <laughs> look at this, look at this shoe. Buy shoes, man. Oh, that is yellow. Wow. Do you reckon it's yellow or is it like light lime my, green? My mum would my mum would scream at that. That's funny. she'd hate it. <laughs> no, no, no. She, she, I have, I have like, I don't have shoes that yellow or that um or that colourful, that vibrant in colour. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, she sees some of my shoes. And I'm just like. What's your beef? Like this ain't this ain't even this ain't even out there. Like uh, you got some that's you big. got some different shoes. Alright, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, cool. Those, that's cool. Are, those are the Wayne brands. Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, man, just just do something else, right? It doesn't have to be man. a death weapon. Um but anyway, back to the point. It's so funny that, you know, the eld these 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 people's elders, right, are, uh, you know, um, you know, classic Fox Fox News watchers and they watch every night and they you know, have all these moral panics about, um, you know, trans issues and all that stuff, right? And at the same time, their youths are listening to music and they're listening to it and they're actually just taking it for face value when that should not be what <laughs> should happen. You should not take shit at face value at all, okay? Um, there's always nuance to it. And again, like like we said before, there's different ways of interpreting certain things as well. But when everybody... Um, goes to Lollapalooza and they take the same, uh, they they take the same. Uh, trying to think for nice of uh, nope, um, it's a Playboy Carti track, and they see it as the same thing. There's there's no there's no there's no really any nuance in that, and I don't know whether that leads to this idea. Of like, does does this does this make a bridge towards the likes of them watching? Like like I said, right? They watch they they listen to drill music and then they go watch a Traveller Ross video. 
do they watch some, do they listen to others and then go to like academics because i firmly believe you know academics is in this you know is if if i'm answering the question of hip, is hip hop media right academics would be and all of these people and, and hip hop media in general and the devolution of it and the lack of nuance towards it now lends to me answering the question yes but i'm trying to also bridge that towards the listener as well and towards the let's just say since we've been linking america a lot let's just say the 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 average american hip-hop listener um and i'm i'm trying to find a bridge towards that and i don't think i have the words for it at the moment but i actually think there has to be so there has to be something there right of course i think you're 100 percent on point you know again Talking about Jay-Z, talking about Blueprint 2, he says uh, on The Bounce with Kanye West, he says, um, they only know what the single is and single that out to be the meaning of what I'm about. And he says, that's the shit I'm sprinkling the album with to keep the registers ringing. In real life, I'm much more distinguished. And I think that, and and let me just figure out how I'm going to say this the best possible way. Let's go back to the Obama thing where I said, you know, I think that he used neoliberal policies to get elected. And I don't necessarily think that that's who he was, but there's only one way to get elected in the U.S. And that's these these hard baked in values in the U.S. are impossible to overturn. They cannot be overturned. You know, they so what we're seeing in hip hop with regards to mainstream hip-hop because that's what we're talking about here because that's what the listeners are going to listen to we're not going to come in here and and just like talk about some super left-wing hip-hop artist that people don't know about the super underground we're going to be talking about jay-z we're going to be talking about diddy we're going to be talking about you know kanye west we're going to be talking about major artists and the reason that they are on this whole episode without actually mentioning kanye west in the conversation of is hip-hop right wing Wow, well, that's amazing. We did. I didn't even it, need to do that, but because I don't. Yeah, we, we did that very well. Respect, but to we can't. You up. can't track that. <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain what what's happened with Kanye West. But <laughs> what you're saying is 100 percent right. And I think even even I'm not even gonna say that DJ Academic because I don't know him. I don't ever watch his videos. I don't know what his content is like. But I have watched people that I know, and I'm not going to name them, but like very famous people who I started watching them, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, they have gradually gone down the right wing path to the point where they are right down it. And there's a, I think there's a good reason for that. And I think it is populism in America. And I think that's how you get elected as a president. That's how you get elected in Australia. It's the exact same thing we were saying earlier. That's how labor government gets elected. They have to play populist politics, which means that they have to have a lot of right-wing values. And so the reason we're talking about this at all is because we're talking about mainstream hip-hop artists. And the way to get mainstream is you have to tone it down. You have to pull the left back a little bit. You can't just come out with socialism and communism and welfare because the majority of hip-hop fans in the US aren't going to connect with that. And when I say hip-hop fans, you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying 80s, 90s hip-hop fans. I'm talking about the new generation of hip-hop fans. Yes, Charlie, look at his face. Look at my face. <laughs> Maybe look at my face. This is this is what I'm I mean. Desperately, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've actually I went into this episode just... Not saying it. Just, You're not going to say the word. Not saying it. Not saying it. I don't think You're I've said the word. It. I haven't said the word, but just look at my face. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why. That's why I mean. And and I I think it's the audience who have 
and again, I'm not going to say with DJ, I don't know DJ academics, but maybe talk about Nori, for example. Nori wants to give the people what they want. I, right. the, the article mentioned Nori and potentially right. interviewing Andrew Tate. I don't see Nori right. as... Bro, have you there listened you to the War Report? Have you listened to Nori Agar? No, he's not a right, right. wing. Uh, yeah. He's not a right wing. Just Great because point. he wants to put Andrew Tate on his podcast because Andrew Tate has a massive following. On. That's it. They have a massive following. He wants to service that following. He wants to grow his own following. And that's a beautiful way of viewing hip-hop in the way that this article... And that's why I didn't like that paragraph. That's why I didn't like that paragraph in the article because... I don't think you can then just like apply just because the majority of American music listeners and the majority of America in general is right wing or heading in that direction. If you want to be successful, if you want to be in the mainstream, if you want to make money, if you want to do the Jay-Z thing where you talk about I worked hard and the deck was stacked, the deck was stacked, the deck was stacked against me and now I succeeded. (laughs) You you can't just come in with crazy left wing stuff. It's not going to work. So I don't think that means that they are right wing. It doesn't mean that Nori's right wing. It doesn't mean that Jay Z's right wing. It means that's how you succeed. It doesn't mean that when I do tweets about who had the most sales this week, it doesn't mean I give a shit about it. It doesn't mean I care about. It. I don't care about it. Why the hell would I care? I find it very interesting. Very occasionally maybe 5% of the time, but the other 95% of the time, I get on my computer on Saturday morning, I spend 20 minutes, I create the graphic, I post it, then I go back to my life and I don't think about it, I don't care. But that gets 2,000 likes on Instagram. That's my most, you know, my highest performing post. And they can go and talk about it, whatever they want in the comments. They can debate it, they can discuss it. I don't care about that. And that's why you couldn't say Ben cares only about numbers because all he po- like he only cares about first week sales. He judges music based on first week sales. It looks like I do. If you go on hip hop numbers, it absolutely does look like I do. But I don't give a shit about it. But I do that because that's how I got 350,000 followers. You know, that's how I did that. So I don't know, there's a bit of a word salad there, but hopefully I made a bit of a point, hopefully. Um, as my last point towards this, and we'll finish there, um, <clears throat> there was a tweet I saw uh, where someone was kind of like asking the question, uh, you know, how did, you know, the likes of, you know, Public Enemy, Run DMC, you know, these were the, the names in, you know, being that quote unquote, having that punk attitude, right? And... You know, having that mainstream appeal, even though they were, you know, shouting, you know, fight, fight the power, black steel in the hour of hour of chaos and stuff like that, right? And then, and then they're just gassing up Biden, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. And a response I saw to that was, um, uh, and I'll say a couple of them here: Ice Cube. We've done Ice Cube. We that. Do. That that solo that's that's that solo run is still goaded. Those three albums. So much man. so much stuff on there that is just inflammatory as shit, right? In a lot of ways. More better and some some bad, but you know, take it hand in hand, right? He plays a fucking cop <laughs> on some films, you know what I mean? Like ride along. Twenty one jump street. Twenty one jump street. Geese. Ice tea. Ice MFT has been on Law and Order 
for like 20 years or some shit. It was yes. iced tea. <laughs> what are we doing? I didn't even think you know about I mean? that. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. I didn't think about that. No. That's absurd. Yeah, well, to cool J too, man. The likes of Ice T, Hello uh, Cool J, even though that's probably not the best, uh, you know, example. That's not the best uh, compared to them. But True. yeah, Chuck D commented on the Timberland AI video with flame emojis. If I'm if I'm correct, Chuck D Chuck did that. D, uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck so, D. I, I got I got that from somebody else, so I need to. Ch- I probably yeah, need but to Chuck re- D's been saying verified. some wild stuff lately. Ch- Chuck D has been saying some wild stuff. What did he say? Who's he saying free? Um, who went? To, uh, he was like free pros. I'm just like, mm, maybe not. Let's let <laughs> it play free, out um, first. Who's the other dude? Um, our free um kid Creole, even though he's like literally been jailed for murder or something like that. I'm just like, it can't can't. Don't think that can happen, Chuck. Uh, not, not 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 the battles you want, not the hills you want to die on there, um, but feel free. But yeah, Chuck D, a dude who's been you know preaching, fighting the power quite literally, and he has been doing so in a lot of ways personally, in terms of you know his brand of being public enemy and trying to get that shit. Why are you commenting on positively on a Timberland video where he's? Jacking Biggie's fucking voice out after dead. That's crazy to me. Have you, have you, not, 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 not that I'm trying to check Chuck D on morals, but you know, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> That's, that makes no sense. And you know, this is kind of a thing that um, I've talked, uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about before, um, you know, in academic circles and in a lot of ways, um, a lot of conversations in life in general. You know, p- people lose steam. And a lot of these, a lot of the people I've mentioned are in their fucking 50s, 60s, right? I'm not expecting Chuck D to be, you know, uh, you know, he could, he could, he could perform Fight the Power he wants. I've seen that live. I've, I enjoy the fuck out of it, but I don't expect him to be, um, you know, risking his economic place, um, in order to push for, you know, fighting the power, right? I'm I'm not expecting Ice Cube to do that anymore. I'm not expecting Ice T to do that anymore. But it is jarring to think about that these people had these roots in this thing that we're talking about, and now they're just they're just promoting propaganda in in the likes of Ice T and Ice uh, Ice Cube. It's it's jarring. So again, finishing up, answering the question. Is hip hop right wing? Of course, that uh, that that whole the whole question requires yeah, but no, but you know caveats. It all requires caveats, and that's what we've tried to do throughout this whole episode. It's one big caveat. But damn, if it don't have some, if it doesn't ring in some places. We haven't even gotten to the homophobia too deep. We haven't even gotten to the misogyny too deep. Because we can, but there's no point. <laughs> I mean, even in even even in the you know Black Panthers, which I which I mentioned before as a left wing concept and institution, there was misogyny in that as well. So nothing. I wouldn't even class misogyny as a right wing thing. It's kind of you know you shouldn't. I don't. I don't think that should be classed as such. Um. But yeah, you know, in terms of some conservative conservative ideals, 
um, you know, that, you know, maybe women shouldn't rap, something like that, you know what I mean, more, le- a little bit lesser in terms of outright, you know, you know, fuck bitches get money kind of thing that, you know, it's obviously, you know, a, a, a kind of like a, <laughs> if, if hip hop was a business, I feel like that would be a tagline, the tagline for it, hip hop, fuck bitches get money, this is essentially, yeah, if, if hip hop was a business, that would be the tagline, um, but you know, a lot of those things aren't uh, exclusive to right-wing ideals, um, and you know those those can be those can be passed however you want. But you know, answering the question, there's some hallmarks there, and I believe the the fact that we're going down this road of having certain listeners having this lack of cultural literacy and artistic literacy and are unable to take music and take up these this art form um and actually you know critique it in a critical way and be critical about the stuff they listen to and think about it more deeply instead of just taking it at face value or just because they like it it makes me feel good if they don't get past that then this shit's going to get worse. And like you said, the likes of Nori will have a, you know, will have that, uh, will have that ripple effect and there's going to be, and it's just going conti- to continue to go on and it's just going to cycle and cycle and cycle where, there w- where it won't be Nori. 20 years, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have the, um, <laughs> In twenty in twenty years, we're gonna have the fucking uh 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 the 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 young the young boy interview hour, and uh, he's gonna be doing the same shit. Six nine dropped a fucking Shakira like track the other the other week, bro. Like what are we did, <laughs> like like we can't even we can't even keep these uh, actually stick to the task of... was it a bit of like oh baby when you talk like that you make a woman go mad <laughs> it basically was bro it was literally like it was literally like shakira doing the world cup anthems kind of vibe like that's what that's the vibe he was going down and it was I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with that song but whatever. wacka wacka which one she's, she's, I sing done it, she's done a few i sing it to my dog all the time yeah the that one yeah. outstanding um something every day but um yeah you know if as if if these if some listeners don't gain this cultural literacy we're just gonna go down this you know literally just gonna it's gonna keep going swirling down the toilet and keep going down and down and down so yeah answering the question no obviously it's not you know inherently straight up a right-wing thing um but there are elements of it that combined with some outside factors are going to are going to exacerbate those particular factors within hip hop. Well, I want to conclude this way. I will say and I think I think maybe this ties it up a little bit, but I think people call hip hop right wing because of the trio of tropes, materialism and consumerism, misogyny and homophobia and transphobia. Now, materialism isn't going anywhere. Um, obviously we've just discussed that at length. As Charlie said, I don't think misogyny is an inherently right-wing trait. It's a societal problem that's existed back as far as we can remember. 
misogyny I feel transcends politics and the right-wing politicians who lean into it, in my opinion, are merely doing so to kind of dog whistle their male voter base. You know, it's, it's hard to argue that a misogynist is actually a true believer in left-wing politics, for example, but it's also impossible to say that anyone who is misogynist must be by default right-wing. And then we get bigotry around sexual preference and gender. It's certainly improving, and I'd say it's improving faster than misogyny, but again, I think it's difficult to use it as a basis to call hip hop right wing. You could just as easily and maybe even more accurately place the blame at the feet of organized religion and Christianity. Um, you know, maybe that's something. I don't think those things are inherently right wing. And the way that I see this conversation is, as Charlie said, there's there's aspects, and you could say this person has this aspect and this person has this aspect. Because people are looking out for their own self-interest. Everyone has different values and goals in life and they have different experiences and they're projecting that. I don't think, you know, we're not talking about artists just being straight up right wing and saying whatever the right wing policies are, that's me. And that's why we see criticism of the Labour government in Australia, for example, and criticisms of Biden. Because the way to get elected, you've got to remember that there are millions of people with their own individual values. They don't give a shit whether it's left wing or right wing or center. They care about how it affects them. And so in order to get elected, you've kind of got to appease this massive group of people with very divergent value systems. So then you get artists that I don't necessarily think, you know, you can't say, oh, I'm a right wing rapper just because I, I like commercialism and materialism. It's like, I like money. I like buying things. It makes me feel good. That's how I feel. It doesn't mean that I love right-wing politics. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think that's where it's, it's getting a little bit confusing. But I, I genuinely don't think that hip-hop is, is right-wing. And it's an interesting discussion, though. It's a very interesting discussion. Very interesting. And the reason why we do this, um, to have these uh, nuanced discussions that um, can't happen on the likes of Twitter. Uh, so we finish there. And hop into a like note if you have anything. Well... This is kind of actually in the same vein, a little bit, a little bit. So obviously this whole thing with verification and Twitter is happening. And I didn't really talk about it when everyone was up in arms a couple of months ago, a week, a couple of weeks ago, when Twitter just decided to take away everyone's verification unless they paid for it. And I started seeing a lot of people just hammering anyone who paid for verification, absolutely eviscerating them and just like destroying them. And this is not me being, feeling personally attacked. I couldn't care less. Um, and I, I bought verification because I wanted the bump in the algorithm. And that really annoyed me. It annoyed me when very famous people who don't need any bump in the algorithm, they don't care. Their business doesn't rely on it. They don't need to be at the forefront of people. They don't need links. They don't need any of that stuff. They have a career separate from social media. They're out here saying, well, I would never pay for verification and anyone who does is a loser. Okay, cool. You're worth $100 million. That's good for you, bro. I need it. I need the algorithm bump. There are businesses out there that desperately need it. And this whole thing that's like everyone's criticizing it on Twitter, Instagram did the same thing. They didn't take away people's verification, but they're charging way more than Twitter is for verification. And the exact same thing, anyone who's been on Instagram for the last two years since Facebook took over knows that unless you're paying for advertisements and you're paying for placements, you're not going anywhere. You are going nowhere, you are stuck. You're sitting on whatever, it's musical chairs. Whatever followers you had two years ago, bang, that's it, you're done. It doesn't matter what you do, like you're cooked. So 
no one criticizes that. No one, no one's up in arms over that. That's how the world works. You pay. You pay, you get something. That's capitalism. I don't understand how people are then critical of people who paid for verification. Do you know what I mean? I, I just don't make any sense to me. It's another example of just a rhetoric or a narrative being run away with because, you know, a few famous people that people really like and really just listen to and, and accept at face value what they say and just like bring it on as part of their own personality. Okay, oh, that's how I feel now because so-and-so feels that way, so I must feel that way. And then you say, yeah, but that's completely at odds with all your other values and all your other tweets and everything you've ever said. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't matter. I, that's who I am now. So now I'm gonna just shit on people who have verification. And yeah, I just think that that's fucking ridiculous. And anyone who's criticizing people for paying for verification, get off your high horse, man. Just chill out, just relax. Yeah, but there are some corny people doing it. Um, just just for the gas, and it's uh, it's a little bit corny. But um, you know, I'll take your I'll take your uh, I'll take your uh, I'll take your comments uh, with uh, with with weight. So uh, yeah, I respect it. Um, Thank you. But yeah, uh, on my side, um, yeah, man, I've recently recently indulged myself. Um, with some uh, just some nice uh, learning aids. Uh, bought some photography books recently, um, which are uh, very interesting. Uh, on just on just the face of them, I'm um, gonna. I've, I've I just realised that you know, I kind of respond well to uh, just that type of I guess education where it's just you know a visual element, and you know there's some for some of the not all of the books, but some of the books have, you know, writing in them and, you know, they obviously deliver a lot on that um, in terms of the depth of it and you learn different things about certain things and history-wise and, uh, yeah, man, I just, it's an, it's a, <laughs> it kind of uh, always reminds me of just uh, every time I learn something or just uh, find a different way to learn, I always just think about how little and how badly just, regular school is <laughs> it's just it just does not it just cannot does not have the bandwidth to actually um ignite somebody's interest in learning because all they do is just like read this textbook or um at best watch this youtube video right is is it's it's not lazy but it's just uh unimaginative i guess and uh you know i'm not blaming i'm not blaming teachers by any means um you know they they do what they can and they don't get paid enough uh to basically babysit um 30 youths six times a day um every every day for you know several weeks out, uh, several months out of the year um but yeah you know i feel like just the way the methods of education are just um they're just lacking um, and also got a new lens for my camera, which I'm very happy about. I tested it yesterday a little bit, a little bit today as well. And uh, yeah, getting some, getting some interesting, in interesting results. Um, I actually had a minor um, shit myself moment because it actually weren't taking pictures at first. I just had it locked on. I was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm literally just pressing the shutter and nothing's happening. Um, it turns out you have to because it's a fully manual um, third-party lens. I have to. Uh, yeah, I basically just had to go into settings and uh, just switch one thing up. Uh, so yeah, that was that was that was a nice uh, ten minutes of wondering what the fuck's going on. Did I just spend all this money for a for a lens that won't go fucking take pictures? 
Uh, but yeah, we got there in the end. So uh, yeah, man, yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Hopefully, you should be uh, doing some work as the week goes by, and then um, oh yeah, and it's also my birthday on Friday, so there's that too. So. Hey. Happy birthday. The big 27 gang. <laughs> nice. You're getting old, man. <laughs> hey, man, it's all in the mind. Um, but yeah, man, all good in the hood. Uh, so I keep dropping a coin. Like I'm keep, I keep messing with this coin in my hand and then dropping it, uh, which is annoying. But anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there on something you may or may, or may not have heard um, during the recording. <laughs> I, just, I just said that in case heard. anybody heard. Okay, good, because... Sometimes uh, I don't know if it's heard or not, uh, but I like to just say what what if you know. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you listen to something, you're just like, what the fuck was that? And they don't explain what it was. Um, I don't know, just a habit. Anyway, so I try and keep my hands hands to myself while recording. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there. Four hundred fifth podcast network is has been digging digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor for Feminine. I've been Ben Carter for Popping Up. Sorry, I was watching Delhi Ali score a goal against Crystal Palace. It's just. <laughs> It's my bad, man. It's from 2016 or some shit. It's my bad. I miss <laughs> Deli Alley. 2016. Oh, yeah. back in the good old days. Yeah, I miss him. But yeah, I'm Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers in the <laughs> Deli Alley fan club. Present. <laughs> we hope you have a good week. We shall always try to do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Music, Fidibili to use. Socials with Fetterman. If you like numbers, Bonus Points and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as an exit project to feed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5e PM production. Thanks for the time with us. We'll see you next time. I'm digging in the digits.